I turn myself on. So anyway, it's good to be here today, and I'm thankful. I'm glad to be in God's house, and uh, let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for again, for the opportunity to come into your house, Lord, and to open up your, your word, Lord. And I just ask, Lord, your special anointing, Lord, upon your servant this morning, Lord, as I minister, Lord, the words that you've given unto me for this congregation, Lord. And I just ask, Lord, that you just anoint them, anoint their ears to hear and to receive, Lord. And we ask it, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> now, I'm going to be in the book of 2 Kings, if you want to turn there, chapter 2. I've been doing a lot of reading in the Old Testament. There's a lot of good stuff in this Old Testament. People that don't get in the Old Testament are missing a lot. And I don't want to miss anything because the Bible says we're supposed to preach it all. Cover to cover. So eventually, if the Lord tarries, we're going to get through it all. <laughs> if not, then we'll get to see it. We'll talk to the people that it happened to and be able to, uh, <clears throat> to go from there. Now, if you want to, uh, if I, for a title, if anybody that does do that, I'm calling this, this message, Passing the Torch. And in the second chapter, we're going to start with the first verse. And it says, When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. Now, do you get mixed up on who Elijah and Elijah, do you get mixed up on who they are and which one is which? Do you get mixed up with that? I did too until I finally was sitting there looking at it and I said, God, I can't figure out how to keep these guys straight. I don't know which one they are. And I start realizing and look at, you know what? J comes before S. So if it's a J, we know it was before Elijah. So hey, that's something that worked for me. If it works for you, then great. And Elijah said to Elijah, of course, you have to know your ABCs or it don't work. <laughs> so if you didn't watch Sesame Street when you were younger, uh, you better go back and watch some of it so you can learn it. Or you can go in children's church and they can lead A, B, C, D, E, F, G, Jesus died for you and me. All right. Learn that one. That, that's a better version anyway. <clears throat> so verse, uh, verse 2. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elijah replied, as surely as the Lord lives <clears throat> and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. The group of the prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha said. But he quit. Be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elijah replied, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. Then the group of the prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Of course I know, Elijah answered, but he be quiet about it. <clears throat> then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again Elijah replied, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. Fifty men from the group of the prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the waters with it. The rivers divided, and the two of them went across on dry land. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elijah, Tell me what I can do for you before I am taken away. And Elijah replied, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I am taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. 
As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them. And Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Elijah saw it and cried out, My father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel. And they, are, they disappeared from their sight. And Elijah tore his clothes in distress. Elijah picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. Then Elijah returned to the bank of the Jordan. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Then the rivers divided and Elijah went across. And when the group of the prophets from Jericho saw from a distance what happened, <clears throat> they claimed, Elijah's spirit rests upon Elijah. Elisha, excuse me. <clears throat> and they went to meet him and bowed before him to the ground. <clears throat> now this is an amazing story. It really is when you think about it, everything that, that has transpired here. Of course, I don't know how Elijah knew that he was going home that day because it does, the Bible doesn't tell us. But every, he knew it. And, it, and if we need the same kind of transfer today. We need the passing of the torch that happened in this story. Maybe not in the same way, but we need that passing of the torch to the next generation. Now, I, I know we have probably three generations listed here this morning. You know, I'm one, and then Val and uh, some of the others are, are in the other generation. And we've got the next generation out there in the children's church and on the back row. Those are the other generations. <clears throat> and if each generation doesn't pass that torch on to the next generation, then we're going to be in trouble. This world is going to be in sad shape. So this kind of a thing has to happen to the next generation. <clears throat> Second Kings, I was in the verse 7 of this same chapter, said, 50 men from the group of the prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah stopped beside the Jordan River. Now here was a school of prophets. Now, or the, the prophets in training, as you will. That's what they were. They were going there studying to be prophets and, and, and that, and they basically didn't care about anything else. They didn't want the mantle of Elijah. They knew he was leaving. They knew the same thing that Elisha knew, but they didn't want it. They were standing off watching from a distance. They liked the idea of being a prophet, being called a prophet. Hey, man, I'm a prophet. That's a nice title to have, and everybody will show me all kinds of respect and, and all kinds of things because I'm a prophet of God. And that's kind of where they were sitting at. And that's where a lot of people are today, isn't it? They like the title of being called pastor. Or they like the title of being called reverend. But that's ex the extent of what they want. They don't want to do anything they have to do in order to fulfill the ministry. They want to stand afar off. They want to stand clear back here and let things happen. Because being a, a true prophet of God like uh, Elisha was, or being a true uh, minister of the gospel, it takes a lot of work. Trust me, I know. I didn't have any idea how much work's involved in pastoring the church. It looks so easy sometimes when somebody else is doing it. But there's a lot of time involved. And if you're not willing to give that time to, to your calling and to what God wants you to do, then you're just there for the title. People want degrees. They want all these things in the world to be able to gain respect. But if you're not a servant of God, if you haven't taken up the mantle that God has for you, then we're in trouble. And that's what these school of the prophets were. God wanted somebody to pick up the mantle. <clears throat> and Elijah was the one that was Johnny, Johnny on the spot. Hey, man, I'll do it. But today we have a lot of people who don't want to pick up that mantle. They're not concerned for our generation. They're not consider, concerned about the generation that follows us. All they care about is my four and no more. We, have, we don't want to reach out to anybody else. I'm just happy in my own little world. I'm not going to talk to my neighbor. Oh, if they get saved, God will save them. But I don't want to do it because I'm wrapped up in my own life. Oh, you can call me a Christian, unless it gets rough. 
and it's getting rough, people. It's going to get rough, and it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. And I don't know at what point God's going to call us home, but it doesn't matter. If you don't have your mind made up, you're going to drop your mantle. I've got my mind made up, and it doesn't matter. What happens? I'm still going to serve God. I've already made that decision, so I don't have to make it every morning. I've made it when I got saved, and I, I don't have to make it again. Every morning, I'm going to be a Christian. Doesn't matter. I, I went to bed a Christian. I'm, going to, I'm getting up in the morning a Christian, and I'm going to live as a Christian that whole day. I've already decided that. If you haven't decided that, then the devil's going to be able to pull you away, and he's going to be able to, to make other things more important in your life. <clears throat> so now this mantle <clears throat> wasn't anything fancy. What it was made of was just sheepskin. It was like a woolen vest or something. It's similar to what John the Baptist wore. And when they wore these things, they put it on instantly. They could tell, hey, that's a prophet. Because he had the prophet's mantle. He had the prophet's clothing on. And so they knew instantly. It'd be just like some of our, our um, Catholic friends, the fathers, they wear these collars. You can tell instantly that they're a minister at the Catholic Church or some of these other denominations because they wear the collar. So you know. And that's kind of what this mantle was. It wasn't anything fancy. It was just a symbol that here is the prophet of God. Here's the one that is anointed of God to be able to, to preach his word and be able to uh, give God's message. So that's what was going on here. Second Kings, in the, excuse me, in the verse 3, it said, The group of the prophets from Bethel, from Bethel came to Elijah and asked him, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Now these prophets, they knew Elijah was going to be taken away. They had the full counsel of the gospel, if you, want, if you will. They knew what was going to happen, and yet they didn't care. We know what's going to happen because the Bible tells us what's going to happen in our world. But do we care? Do we care what's going to happen to our loved ones? Do we care what's going to happen to our neighbors? Do we care? The school of prophet, they didn't care. All they cared about is my four and no more, and I want this title, and I want to do these kind of things. So the school, the school of prophets, they wanted just to be close enough to be able to see the anointing. They wanted to be close enough to see the mantle. They wanted to be right on the front row or in the back row or in the middle row for where they could see what God was doing, but they didn't want to be close enough to affect their life because it might involve something. And they don't want to pay the price. So they watched from afar. We have a lot of people that want to watch from afar. They want to see the anointing of God, but they don't want it to touch their life. They don't want to have to pick up any mantle. They don't want to have to be able to pick up anything that's going to cause any work. So I'm just going to watch from afar. I'm going to watch really from afar. I'm going to watch TBN instead of going to church. I can get the same message at TBN as I can at church. No, you can't. <laughs> they may preach better sermons than I preach, and they may do a lot of things differently, but there's something about being with God's people that makes a difference. There's an anointing that happens when you make the effort to come and show up in God's house. And there's a fellowship that happens between, between us as believers. You don't get that on TBN. Oh, yeah, you can call up the prayer line and they'll talk to you for a few minutes. But it isn't the same thing. We need that fellowship. That's why we need to come together. We need to come together for the fellowship because that fellowship and that's bonds. That's why when you get a people that are in AA or something, they have to go to meetings so they can help them give them the support system that they need. They have a sponsor that helps them so they feel like, if, if I feel tempted to drink, I'm going to call my sponsor and he's going to talk me out of it. Well, that's kind of what it is when we come to church. We come to church and, and it's our support system. And if we're thinking about doing something we know we shouldn't do, get among believers and you won't do it in their presence. I guarantee it. If I'm going to do something, I'm not going to do it where a believer's going to see it. Uh-uh, no thank you. I'll do it in the dark somewhere, not in the believers so I can see it. So that's why it's important to hang around with believers and hang around to people that hell holds you accountable. 
for your actions. <clears throat> in verse uh, 12 and 13 it says, Elijah saw it and cried out, My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel, and they disappeared from and they disappeared from sight. Elijah tore his clothes in distress. Elijah picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. Then Elijah turned, returned to the bank of the river. Now, Elijah knew that his old garments wasn't going to give him the, what he wanted. He had to tear off the old anointing. He had to tear off his own anointing. He had to tear off everything of his own in order to be able to pick up the other mantle. See, we have, a, we have a tendency, you know, we want the anointing of God, but we want our anointing. We don't want this one over here because I have to get rid of some things in my life. I might have to quit doing something I, don't, I like doing. So that wouldn't be good. So I'm not going to pick up the mantle. I'm going to just hang on to my own mantle, and I'm going to just walk in it, and I'll get by. I'll make it to heaven. It's okay. But we want the double portion. We want that power of God and that anointing. And we're not going to get it in our own lives, in our own selves. We have to pick up God's anointing that he has for each one of us. God's mantle for us. And that's what we need to do. And Elijah, he didn't hang on to the old stuff. He just simply got rid of it. He knew that, hey, that would, it didn't do me any good when, I, when Elijah was here. Why in the world do I want it now? And, I, and he didn't hang on to it just in case the one God has for us doesn't work. And that we do. We always have a plan B when we have a plan A. That's why we number them A, B, C, D, or multiple choice. See, God only has a plan A. He doesn't have a plan B. <laughs> We're the ones that want the plan B just in case God doesn't come through. Man, what if I pay my tithes and I don't have any money to pay my bills? I better hang on to half of them just in case. We always have to hang on to plan B. But when we, when we walk in God's anointing and we want God's anointing, we have to get away, do away with plan B. We only have plan A, and that's God's plan. Sometimes when we do end up with plan B, God turns things around and gets us back into plan A. But it's painful sometimes. Plan Bs are painful sometimes. <laughs> So, God wants to give us new desires because we have to get rid of our old way of thinking. We have to get rid of all the things the way we used to do it because God has a different purpose for our lives. He doesn't want all these old things in our life that brought us down to influence us. So we have to get rid of them, so we have to pick up new desires and new way of thinking. And we think that's hard, but it isn't hard because when you walk in God's anointing, it's just a natural byproduct. You, go, you step in the shower and the water's on, you're going to get wet. You can't go in there and say, I don't plan on getting wet. It'd be stupid, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, when you want to walk in God's anointing, you get close enough to God, you're going to get wet. And God's going to get rid of some things in your life. He's going to clean off some things. He's going to clean out your, your hair and your mind and, your, and your, everything and your desires because he wants to give you better desires. And he wants to give you better things. Because God never takes anything away from us that he doesn't give us something better. The problem is we're hanging on like grin deaf to this stuff that's not as good as God has for us. And we don't trust God to give it to us. So we're kind of hanging on and say, say, God, give me, give, me, give me this car over here. But I'm not going to do anything over here until, I, until it's sitting in my driveway. That isn't the way God works. God wants us to walk in faith. And we walk in faith and ask God in faith. We've got to get rid of all the plan B's. We've got to get rid of all the other things that allow him to work in our own lives. So this chapter is basically the changing of the guard. 
It's changing from one generation to the other. And we have to have this transfer or we'll lose a whole generation of people. We will lose desperately. Now, churches are arguing back and forth from what tradition versus modern change. And they're arguing and they're fighting and they're bickering among themselves. And, and sometimes we don't like some of the new methods that people are using in our churches. We don't like that screaming music. We don't like that, that other music. We like this, you know, nice sit back, listen to it type of music. And, and they're bickering back and forth. But we need to blend different, the tradition that we have, some of the traditions we have, with the way, the new, some of the new things to reach the, other, the, the new generation. If we don't, we're going to lose them. And I don't want tra traditions that I may have in my heart and in my life to be able to prevent someone to come into Christ. Do you? Now, I know we have to hang on to the doctrines. We have to hang on to the morals that God has given us. We can't throw those out the window because there's no way in the world we're going to have a, have a vision of God if we throw all the old stuff out the door. There's a lot of people that want to get rid of all the old. Bring in the new. We want to reach the new generation, but forget about the other generations. Because they don't have any confidence in the old styles and the old ways of doing things. Well, they did pretty good with it for a long time. Elijah did a pretty good job with his anointing. Didn't he? <laughs> they knew, man, he had power. So we don't want to get rid of the old, but what we need is we need Elijah's anointing and, and Elisha's double portion. That's what we need. That's what we need the transition to happen. We need the, this generation to be twice as anointed and twice as powerful as our generation was. Because that's the way it works. This generation we have now, man, I'll tell you, they're really hard to reach. And every generation, it's harder and harder and harder to reach them. And with the, with the legislators and the governors and all the, the things up in our high office places in charge, we're in trouble. What's that going to do for our young people? They don't know what's going on. They're ruled by what they think is right, what man thinks is right. And we know that nothing is wise in our own hearts. And we follow our own goals and our own purposes. We end up in trouble. And we end up with a government that makes things right that God says is wrong. That's what we end up with. So we need to have the old stuff in, in, in our churches. We need the power of the old, and we need to quit trying to get rid of the old people and, and just have a young congregation. We've got to be able to reach out, out to this younger generation that we have. If we want to remain viable and reach this community, we've got to make some changes. And I know it's hard for me to make changes because I was raised in that tradition and raised in all those other kind of things. But I want God's anointing. I want God's power. I want to be able to reach this community. I want to make sure that our young people grow up to know God. I want them to have that double portion. Don't you? I want my kids to serve God. I want them to have that double portion of what Elijah had. And if they don't, we're going to be in sad shape because we're already in sad shape just from leadership change. When the leaders are unrighteous, then the people will be go, or go into unrighteousness. And that's, that's, you can read that throughout the whole Bible. As long as people were serving God and worshiping God, God's blessing was upon them. But as soon as they turned their back on God, then the bad things started happening. And that's where we're at in America. So if anybody wants to know what's going on, that's what's going on. So we need to pray for our leadership. We need to pray that God will give them some common sense and to, to be able to bring in righteous people into government. And if the person in your representatives, if they're not voting the way that you think God should, then vote them out. We have that power. Don't support somebody that supports abortion. Don't support somebody that supports homosexual marriage. Don't support those kind of things. Because if you do, you're, you're saying to God, you know, God, I don't believe your word. 
Yeah, I know it says you shouldn't do this, but, you know, this is modern times and we have to, uh-uh. There, there's no give and take on certain things that God has talked about. And we're never going to realize the future that God has for us without consulting the past. But we have to be able to mix the two together. We have to be able to reach out to the young people in order to win them to Christ. And that's what I want to do. I want to reach out to the young people. Now, I'm not as close to the, that generation as maybe some of you are. And we need to figure out what we need to do to reach them, to be able to keep our young people in this church, to be able to pass that torch to them. Because if we don't pass it, can you imagine the Bible without an Elisha? Can you imagine that without an uh, Elisha if the torch was never passed and Elijah just disappeared? Man, that a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of things in this Bible would have not happened. And that's what's going to happen with, with our generation. If we pass the torch to them, a lot of things that we couldn't do or the people that we couldn't reach, they will reach because if we pass the torch. I'm willing to try anything within as long as it doesn't interfere with God's doctrine and God's word. I meant if, it, if a pizza night works, hey, let's have pizza night. If, it, if, it, if going to a concert works or something, let's do that. I'm, I'm not above trying anything to be able to reach the next generation. And if, I don't, you, know, if you have any ideas about that, hey, man, I'm open to it. Because I'm willing to do a lot of things to be able to keep our young people in this church. Because if, if the young people don't serve God, this church is, is, is going to be lost. That's the reality of it. Look around. You know, I'm not a spring chicken, and some of you aren't either. <laughs> and if the Lord doesn't come and take us home, eventually we're all going to die. And if we all die and we don't pass this torch, then who's going to be in the congregation? We've got two young, guy, young guys back there. Praise the Lord. Thank you for the young guys that are here, young people. Praise the Lord for you. <laughs> oh, over here. Oh, yeah, she's hiding over here, over here. Yeah, yeah, with three of them. We got three of them here today. Now that's a start. But if all of us are gone, are they going to want to hold this church, keep this church open? Is they going to keep it running? Hey, it's up to us. If we don't pass it to them, they can't pick up something that isn't passed. In 1 Corinthians 9, starting the, the chapter, uh, verses 19, it says, Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the law... I too lived under the law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to, bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles what, who do not follow the Jewish law, I live apart from the law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share its blessing. Basically, these verses are saying, hey, man, I'm going to do anything it takes to reach people. And that's the only way we're going to reach them. If you want to reach a young person, you've got to know what influences a young person, what things are going on in their mind in order to reach them. And you have to become like a young person. I know it's been a long time since I was a young person, but I vaguely remember some of those things and traditions and styles and things change. But we need to be willing to do that. And that's just as Paul was in order to reach people. We can't let morals slide. We can't let uh, things that God condemns. We can't accept that. But we can reach them if, if we understand what they're interested in and try to reach them that way. Uh, in uh, Second Kings, the second chapter, verse 14, he said, He struck the water with Elijah's coat and cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Then the river divided, divided and Elijah went across. 
when the group of the prophets from Jericho saw from the distance what happened, they exclaimed, the spirit of Elijah's spirit rests upon Elisha. And they went to him and bowed to the ground before him. They knew that the, the anointing had passed from Elijah to Elisha. And when we pass the anointing from one generation to the other, <clears throat> people are going to know it. They're going to know that the mantle has been passed. And they're going to be able to, to see it and to be able to sense it and be able to feel it. Because they'll know the school of the prophets is kind of like our world. They're standing on the bank of the river saying, hey, part the waters, perform a miracle, and then I'll follow you. If you don't, then I'm not following you. Does that sound like our world today? It's, it will take a, a powerful anointing to reach our young people. This is a young uh, generation of drugs, a ge generation of follow your own, whatever it seems right in your own mind, do it. A generation that all they want to do is seek pleasure. Hey, let's go out and have fun. More so than any other generation. Because each generation seems like the generation in general deteriorates from the other one. The one before it. So if we're going to reach this generation, it's going to take a powerful anointing. It's going to take more, a double portion, at least, minimum. But a heavy anointing of God in order to break these chains that are holding our young people and the next generation in bondage. Because we want, if they're not set free of the bondage, it won't matter. You put a, a dog can be just a wonderful dog and, and be a great hunting dog, but if you had him chained up to your backyard, he ain't doing much hunting, is he? He can only go the length of the chain. And that's, what, you know, without the anointing of God, that's what we're doing. And if we don't pass something on to, the, to our next generation, we're keeping them on a chain and we're keeping them, this is as far as you can go, no more. But God wants to break those chains and take that collar off them and let them run free and let them be able to reach the world for him. That's his will. That's his desire for everybody. Not only the young people, it's God's desire for me and it's God's desire for you. To be able to break that bondage, whatever it is that's keeping you from witnessing to your neighbor, whatever it is that's keeping you to talking about your, to your family about the Lord, whatever it is that's keeping you from praying with somebody when they, when they call you up and say you're not feeling good, whatever it is that's keeping you to say, well, hey, let me pray with you about that. Whatever it is, we need those chains broken. And the only thing that's going to break it is God's anointing in our lives. <clears throat> See, the problem with ministry is it gets so hard every, every year. It gets harder. Every day it's harder and harder and harder. And as long as we have the legislators that we have, it's going to get worse. Unless there's a revival. And I pray for a revival. I pray that God will keep his hand on America until he comes to take his church out. And the church, of course, is body of believers, not just this church. <laughs> And I pray that God will do that. And I pray for a revival in our nation because all we need is, is one righteous man to get in. For us so-called Christians who claim to be Christians, who believe the Bible, to stand up and say, hey, we've had enough. To quit sitting on the sidelines. See, but everybody wants to sit on David's throne. But nobody wants to fight Goliath. If I had advertisement, hey, anybody wants to be king? Anybody wants to sit on the throne and rule? Hey, come on out here. Man, I'll tell you, the line would be right, lined up clear to St. George and around the world of people who wanted to do that. But we learn about the story of David and Goliath. There wasn't anybody who wanted to fight Goliath. But see, when you walk into ministry and you walk into God's will and God's anointing, you're saying, hey, I'm going to fight Goliath. And it may be scary, and a lot of times it is scary, not only in this type of ministry, but just ministering to your neighbors or your friends. It's scary. But we have to be willing to do that and walk in God's anointing and not need to worry about it. Let God take care of it. Because when we do, he will be the one that guides the stone. He'll be the one that slays the giants in our life if we just let him. In verse 13, it says, Elijah picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. Elijah's mantle had fallen. 
Now, he could have just sat there and looked at it and said, yeah, that's Elijah's mantle. That's pretty good. Man, I asked for it, and there it is. Didn't do him any good till he went over there and picked it up. Didn't do him a bit of good. He could have sat there and walked around that thing all day long and never had the double portion that he wanted until he picked it up. Now, we have mantles laying around all over the place. From, a, from Azusa Street in, in the early 1900s when the Assemblies of God started from a revival and a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit, there were mantles from people that didn't pick up from that thing. The mantle of Kathleen Kuhlman. I mean, some of you may not even know who she is. But she was a great woman of God and many, performed many miracles and was a great preacher and, and led lots of people to the Lord. Well, her mantle might still be sitting around there or one similar to it that somebody needs to pick up. Smith Wigglesworth's mantle is laying around somewhere on the ground. And I'll tell you, that guy was amazing. He raised 14 people from the dead. That's amazing to me. I'm going, wow, I want, I want some of that, God. I want some of that. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you, I walk into a funeral and, and, and destroy it. That'd be something, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, hey, it's available. We just need to tie into that power, and we just need to tie into that anointing. Well, the mantle's there. We just need to be able to go over there and pick it up and be willing to pay the price. See, it's the paying the price thing. It, it, it's the hard part. It's easy to go over and pick it up, but if the, and then go ahead and do it. Okay, I do this, I do this, I do this. Hey, but there's a price to be paid. You have to spend time in prayer. You have to spend time in study, and you have to have your life totally committed to God for that to happen. And we're not willing to do that. And until we are, there's mantles laying all the ground on the ground. Maybe your mantles laying on the ground somewhere because you won't pick it up. God has a mantle for every one of us that's here this morning. And my mantle that God had for me, you can't pick up. Because it's my mantle. No one else can pick it up. No one else can use it. Just me. Because God has a special ministry, a special mantle, a special anointing for everybody. Not just me and not just somebody that's just going to be up here. Not but somebody that leads worship service. No. It's for everybody. Every one of us has a mantle. And they're laying all over the ground. But we've got to pick them up. And we need to pick them up. If we want to pass something, something to someone else, we've got to pick up our own. We have to walk with our mantle before we can pass something on. And God needs full-time warriors. He don't need weekend warriors that just come to church on Sunday morning and put their mantle on and say, Oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah, I'm here, all right. Don't you like my mantle? Don't it look good? I dyed it last week. Last week it was green. I got tired of green, so now it's red. God doesn't want no weekend warriors. He wants... Full-time warriors, full-time people that are willing to pick up the, the mantle and wear it all the time and be able to walk in that anointing that God has for us. Now, the, the mantle is just a, it's a symbol. It's not, you know, I don't expect you to go in there and pick up something physically and put it on, well, this is it, because it, you know, it might wear out after a while. It might smell pretty rank if you uh, didn't get it washed, so we have to realize that. But it'll lay there on the ground until you pick it up. Now, Elijah wanted a double portion of what Elijah had. Would our kids want a double portion of what we have? Uh-oh. Zero times two equals zero. The kids might want something, but if we don't have it, we don't have the goods. We can't deliver the goods, and they won't want the goods. Elijah didn't ask for half of what Elijah had. But I'll tell you, some days I think, man, Lord, I'll, I'll settle for half. <laughs> I'll settle for just half. No, he wanted double portion. 
And we need to, to pass on a desire to our kids to want what we have because that's how we win people to Christ, isn't it? They say, I want what you have. How many times have, have people said, I got saved because they, had, they were different than me? They were able not to be concerned about the things that was going on in their life. There was something different about them. And I wanted that. I wanted that security. I wanted that confidence. I wanted that hope that they seemed to have. So I want what they have. Have we heard that a lot? But can our kids say that about us? Can the next generation, your children, can they say that about you? Do you have something that they would want? We pass clothes down to, to kids as they outgrow them. Well, sometimes that kid don't want those clothes. They want new stuff. <laughs> but if it was a favorite thing and when they had it on all the time, oh, man, I'll be glad when you outgrow that so I can have that. See, there's a difference because they want that. They want whatever that thing is. But our kids need to want something that we have. If we don't have it, they're not going to want it. And if they don't want what we have, then they're not going to serve God either. And that's the ridiculous, not the ridiculous thing, that's the sad thing about it. If we don't pick up our mantle and walk in it, neither are our kids. It don't matter what they do out there in children's church. It don't matter how good the, the services are. If we don't have the goods, then our kids aren't going to want it. Because they're going to look, say, they're going to look at their whole life in front of them and say, man, what do I want to be tied up in church for? Why do I want to do that? That seems like such a waste of time. But if there's something going on in your life and there's something that they can see in your life, they'll say, man, I want that. I want what they have. If we don't have the goods, then we need to pray to God till we got the goods. And it's going to cost something. If we want to see our kids continue to serve God, it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us time on our knees. It's going to cost us time in Bible study. It's going to cost us something. And if they realize that, you know, going to, you know, I don't know what's say, CSI or whatever it is or what's on on Sunday nights or whatever it is is more important than coming to church, especially when you've got a VCR or a DVR or a whatever, then it's going to be important to them, is it? It won't be. I want the next generation to do twice as much as the generation I'm a part of. Don't you? I don't want it to go backwards. If you start going backwards, if you're not going forward, you're already backsliding. Because the, the world stops for nobody. You may sit in the passenger seat not driving, but that car's taking you somewhere. And if you got it in reverse, that's what happens when you're, when you're not pushing in and you're not allowing God to, to anoint you every single day. You're either going forward or you're backsliding. There's no standing still. Unless God tells you to stand and wait on something to happen, that's what's happening. But then even, even then when you're waiting on God, you've still got to be moving forward. You've got to be praying. You've got to be asking God to, to work in your life. <clears throat> Elijah tried three times to get Elisha not to come with him. It was found in verse 2. Let's see, verse 2. And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elijah replied, As surely as the Lord lives... And you yourself live. I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. In verse 4, he said, Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elijah replied again, As surely as the Lord lives, and you live, you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went to Jericho. And in verse 6, Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again, Elijah replied, As surely as the Lord lives, and you yourself live, I will never leave you. Would our kids 
desire what we have enough that they could not be detoured or, de- or persuaded to leave you? Do we have something like that to give our kids? Elisha had something like that, and he wasn't going to leave him. He's hanging on to him like grim death. Forget you, I'm not leaving your sight. I have something I want. You have an anointing that I want. You have a ministry that I want to be able to, to be the successor of. I want to be there, so I'm not leaving you. Because I don't get the promise unless I see you taken up. Until we, we don't get the promise of God until we persevere, until we stick in there and we hang in there, until we see God move, until we see things happen in our lives. But our kids, would they be that intent on, as Elisha was, for what we have? Stay here. Okay, they will. I'll stay here. I don't want to go anywhere. If we don't have the goods, then we can't pass it on. Elijah wanted a double portion, and nothing was going to keep him from getting it. If we want our kids to be faithful, we need to be faithful. If we're not faithful, they're not going to be faithful. If we find anything else in our life that's more important, they will. If we don't give to the church, they won't give to the church. If, they, if we don't read our Bibles, guess what? They won't read theirs. If we don't pray, they're not going to pray. So if we don't demonstrate the things of God to our kids and show them how important it is to them, they won't think it's important. And then when they grow up and become old enough, they're going to be gone. Because we had nothing to give them but empty religion. And God doesn't deal in religion. He didn't save us through religion. He saved us through the cross and through the blood. And religion just binds us up. We need the religion to be able to give, provide us some rules and regulations because sometimes we don't know what's right and wrong. We need somebody to tell us until we start walking in God's power. And then when we do that, we don't need any laws. We don't need any rules because God will tell us. Because he says, I'll write my laws on your hearts. There's a lot of things in my life I don't have to ask whether or not I should do them, because I know I shouldn't. If I'm asking about something, then I'm trying to ask for something that I can try to get by with. We want to know how close to the world we can walk and still get to heaven. That's why we ask. We don't need to ask about the things that God says, adultery is a sin, don't do it. He said, there's a lot of things in this Bible that tells us we shouldn't do. So we don't need to bother asking about those. But if we don't read the Bible, we don't know they're in there. And if we want God's blessing on our lives, we have to be obedient to his word. But we have to know what it says. If we don't know what it says, forget it. We're not going to be able to to, um, live our lives the way that God wants us to live it. And we're going to look for excuses, and we're going to do everything we can in order to live our own lives. And if the kids don't pick up their mantle and walk in it, then we're going to be left with the school of the prophets. That's a sad, sad situation. If all we have is just people that want a title, if all we want, that, that uh, they're not even saved in, in our pulpits, if all we want is people that aren't anointed in our pulpits, that's a sad situation. But that's what will happen if we don't pass on to the kids or the next generation the desire to serve God and have them pick up their mantles. <clears throat> Verse uh, 16 and 17 says, Sir, they said, they said, sir, they said, just say the word and 50 of our strongest men will search the wilderness for your master. Perhaps the spirit of the Lord has left him on some mountain or in some valley. No, Elijah said, I don't send them. Don't send them. But they kept urging him until they shamed him into agreeing. And he finally said, all right, send them. So 50 searched for three days but did not find Elijah. 
our kids don't pick up their, nan- their mantles, and if we don't pass it on to them, we don't pass the torch, then they're going to spend their time looking for the anointing somewhere. They're going to spend a lot of time looking for it. We live in a world that's looking for an anointing of God. Man, they run everywhere trying to find somebody. If they're sick, they say, oh, if I could just get Benny Hinn to pay for me, I know I'd get healed. If I could just have this person pray for me, if I could just go here, I know my need would be met. <clears throat> but that same anointing that's available to Benny Hinn is available to you. You don't have to go anywhere special to be able to have that same anointing. All you have to do is pick up your mantle and walk in it. It's all you have to do because everything in this Bible is for everybody that believes. There's no power for, oh, let's see, I'm glad God isn't, isn't, uh, doesn't care who I am. He says, oh, I have this anointing if they're a woman. I have this anointing if they're a man. I have this anointing if they're a child. Huh? God doesn't care. It doesn't matter what you are, bond or free, male, female, whatever citizenship you have, he has an anointing for you. The same anointing that he was willing to give Elisha. We can have that same anointing if we want. And we don't have to spend our time running from place to place and trying to find the anointing of God. But if we do not pass the torch, if we do not send the gospel to our next generation, that's what the generation is going to be doing. They're going to be looking for the anointing. And while they're looking for the anointing and not finding it, their lives are going to deteriorate just like America is because the anointing of America is starting to dwindle and it's starting to move and we're starting to lose it. And that's what's going to happen. But I don't want that to happen. I want to walk in my mantle. I want to be able to serve God, and I want to be able to pass what I have on to the next generation. And I want a life that someone else might want something, the anointing that I have. And the only way I'm going to get it is by willing to do what it takes to pay the price. Heads bowed, eyes closed. <clears throat> now, if you're here this morning, and you're kind of thinking about your life, and you're, you're wondering... And thinking about your own anointing or your own mantle and saying, you know, I haven't really been, I haven't really picked up my mantle. And I don't think my life is something that my kids would desire. But I want to start today. I want to go there and pick up that mantle. And I want to be able to walk in the anointing that God has for me. Because I want to be able to pass something on to my children besides my last name. Let me see your hand if that's you this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, <clears throat> you know, I need to be a little more faithful in my time serving the Lord. Maybe I need to be more faithful in prayer. Maybe I need to be more faithful in, in Bible study. And I need to do that. And I realize that I need to do that to be able to show the kids, show my kids and show my family member that I'm serious about serving God. Is that you this morning? If it is, let me see your hand. Okay. Okay. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never accepted the Lord as your Savior. But you want to. You say, I want to not only be saved, but I want to be able to walk in the anointing that, that I can see in this story. And I, and I finally realized that something like that's available. And I like that idea. And I want to accept Christ this morning. Is there anyone here this morning that would say, I want to accept Christ as my Savior? 